you know, this this high-end high school prospect goes to, you know, whatever university it is, and he ends up getting a little bit worse. It's just that programming wasn't dialed in specifically enough for that athlete. And you see it in pro ball as well. All right, welcome to More Than Velocity. I'm Bart Pear here with Ryan Croton and Jordan Oseguera. We are going to talk about a, uh, a tweet that we just sent out, uh, armcare.com sent out. It's armcare.com uh, on Twitter if you're looking for it. Uh, that is a little technical and also a little controversial, um, but I think it's we've had some good discussions about this is kind of where things are going. So let me read the tweet real quick, and then I'll let these guys jump in and kind of explain what the heck we're talking about here. So tweet says, prediction, in the near future, throwing workload management will be based on strength changes in the arm rather than progressive overload of throwing volume, i.e. AC ratios. Ryan, what the heck does this tweet mean? Yeah, okay. Um, <clears throat> let's just quickly start with the AC ratio. So what the AC ratio is, it's it's calculating workload over uh, a seven-day average. And this could be something like external workload. Um, I know there are other devices that measure workload based on uh, forces for the elbow. Uh, it could be rep counting. Um, running distance, whatever it may be. It's something that's external to the body and can be computed and aggregated. So you take an average of that. So that's your acute, the seven day. Then the denominator is the chronic. That's the C and the AC ratio. And that's a 28 day average of that particular workload metric. And so um, there's been some contributions to literature that are not as strong uh, as far as looking at external workload um, that give a certain parameter of where you should be. So if the workload is between 0.8 and 1.2, and this has been done in running sports, that's considered a safe zone of this acute to chronic workload. Okay. Other people call this acute to chronic workload um, the fitness sorry, the fatigue over fitness ratio. And so if your ratio is less than 0.8, that means that you're under training. And if you're over 1.2, that means that this, this uh, fatigue is too high. This acute level is too high in this particular seven-day window. So when you get this information as a coach or as a player, um, you have some options in terms of what you can do to get yourself, if you're above, in the right range, which could be um, reducing frequency of training, reducing the intensity or the volume of training, or even the density of like how many how many uh, throwing activities you would do in one session. So these are some things that you can utilize to calculate your AC ratio. So and so this is kind of the I don't want to say state of the art, but this is what you know the more elite programs are using right now to kind of do their training um make sure that they're essentially you're not you have a good strong baseline as you're whatever it's maybe it's a date in the future that you're trying to peak or you know whatever it is that's creating the variability but you're going to stay inside this range and that's kind of the accepted 
protocol of, of how things are going on right now. Yeah, yeah, a lot of teams are using this now. Really, where this is being adapted in baseball is from soccer, um, and football is also you know utilizing this because they're looking at yardage, they're looking at things like accelerations, how many accelerations a player has um, off of GPS. So you know, baseball is adopting this, but it's fairly new, and it makes it a little challenging to understand what to do with this ratio and how this translates into programming. You know, this sometimes there's like this um, a little bit of trial and error, and that's not always the best method where something isn't really concrete to say, here you are, you're at um, 0.77. This is what you need to do. This is where you need to, you know, lay out your programming, and these are the adjustments you need to make. Um, so it's uh, it's a big challenge that I think baseball is, you know, starting to overcome. Um, but when we had this tweet, you know, we're really getting into the functional aspect of understanding how the athlete can, uh, experience their workload. And I think that's the beauty of it. When we know how the athlete's strength is changing, given a workload, and that allows us to be really dynamic, you know, on the day. So, um, yeah, well, let, let me some... just, let me go in here. So what you're saying is that rather than charting out a full spreadsheet of what's going to happen in the near future, we're looking at the athlete on that day or over those couple of days and saying, Hey, you know, their strength is going down. Their strength's really high. So their workload for today or potentially the next couple of days or however that tweaked is based on their strength and the change of strengths that day instead of something you've done you've you've programmed out maybe a month ago and and said this is what you're going to be doing yeah yeah the training has to be dynamic um i've noticed in my experience with athletes and maybe jordan as well is sometimes when you stick to a program it can really affect an athlete because you don't know have they had poor sleep you know did they get in a fight with their significant other um you know uh are they not eating well like all of these things, are they not training? Have they skipped some training sessions and they've detrained? These are all things that, you know, are so variable in athletes. And we stick to a program and we don't have that dynamic feature, we're unable to meet them where they're at, you know. And uh, in training, in strength and conditioning, we have a, a, a word called auto-regulation. So they utilize in training velocity tools, how fast a bar is moving. You can strap these things on a barbell um, or a trap bar, and you're looking at the speed of the bar. And you know if the athlete can't maintain a certain speed of the bar, they change the weight. That's an auto-regulation tool. Uh, okay, and so this is where I see strength. You know, using our app with uh, with armcare.com is we auto-regulate the athlete because we know on that given day, if they don't have a certain amount of strength, we need to adjust our programming and conversely, if they have a high degree of strength, then why would we undertrain them? So that's how that, that process works. That is a great example. Really makes it clear what what the goal is and what we're trying to do here. Jordan, what are your what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so I look at everything through a coaching lens, just because that's my background. That's what I've done for you know, over half my life, sadly, when you're bad at baseball, you get into coaching earlier. Um, 
But that's the main thing is like, you know, with my guys is, you know, when I was coaching in college originally, it was just, hey, here's these blanket statements that, you know, are hopefully going to be, you know, good enough. And you roll that out in your first year coaching and it works for about 50% of your guys. And then as you roll those out there, they're, you know, widely available programs that are, hey, these are what everyone's using. Use those. And you have to find out how to make it fit that other 50%. So that's when I started getting into dialing and throwing programs more based off of, you know, doing some some tests, just anything I could do to figure out how strong someone's shoulders was. Uh, we didn't have, obviously, dynamometers and things like that at our disposal at the time. And then we started dialing in programs based off of, you know, here's how, you know, this player is able to, you know, do these specific exercises. And that gives you a small window, but it's still, you're, you're just kind of firing at a target and hoping you hit a bullseye when it comes down to it. So then we get into pro ball. And, you know, it's not just one pro team. It's a lot of the pro teams out there that are releasing these blanket statement programs because, you know, everyone says it's too difficult to, to kind of program in the masses, to dial in at an individual level. But, you know, when, with the use of dynamometry and the range of motion and everything it is that we're, we're able to take is it makes it boil down into a five-minute process, you know, for, you know, a, a 12-man roster to kind of dial in everyone's throwing for the day if they're testing consistently and going through those things to where now they can roll into spring training. And Bart was talking about kind of working backwards from that peak performance area and, and where you're starting at is now you have an idea of where is this player's strength. So instead of saying everyone starts out week one, two days a week at, you know, 60 feet for, you know, three to five minutes, you know, that might be great for your low strength athletes. But if you have athletes that are high strength, you don't want to set that floor too low because now you're hindering that player from reaching what that potential can be. Uh, so, you know, we started using dynamometry, you know, in, in me and Ryan's setting in professional baseball, and we started seeing a lot of injury reduction, especially going into spring because now we were understanding where are these people ending the season at? Are they high-strength individuals? And we know through research you're not going to just lose a whole bunch of strength overnight. So if we started the throwing programs to where if that athlete did nothing, they should lose minimal strength we can now get them dialed back up to where we need them to be healthy and safe with not without losing much velo, if any at all. But now, since we have something that's actual portable, you can bring it with you. I use this. All I do is private private lessons now, things like that. Um, I use it with my guys that are pitching in the big leagues right now. You know, my relievers absolutely love it because now they pitch yesterday. They go through a test when they wake up, get a little blood flow going. I understand you've lost we'll say, you know, 5% strength. And now we know on that day, we're not going to do as much throwing pregame as we normally would. You're down a little bit. So let's do a little bit less throwing. You're still active tonight. You're 100% going to stay in the big leagues based on how you perform. So now you can dial in your relievers throwing programs based on those measures, based on how they slept, based on how their body feels, based on, you know, their workload from the day before. And then it's tangible with a strength base. And then I'm taking my guys that are starters Again, in that pro atmosphere, they're testing on their bullpen days. And now I can tell, are you recovered or are you not recovered? So now from there, we only we not only dictate, you know, if they're, well, just because just I'm not a math guy, if their normal strength is 100 pounds and they're all of a sudden at 115 and it's a bullpen day, you can do your long toss. You can do, you know, some extra drill work after that. You can throw a couple extra pitches off the mound if you want to. But all of a sudden, if their strength is down again, now we know, hey, we're not long tossing today. We're also not taking a full day off. We still have to do something, and then we're going to shorten up that mound work. So now in two days, when you need to go pitch against you know, whoever it is you may be pitching against, 
you're ready to go because at the major league level, you can't really take time off. Um, I'm using this with my high school kids as well to where, you know, I have one of my guys, he's going to be pitching for a school out in Florida this coming week. They're, they're traveling, you know, 800 miles, 850 miles to send out a recruiter to watch this guy throw. So now he's doing his strength testing every day. So by the time they get into town in Texas, we're going to make sure he's 100% recovered so there's no limitation when he steps on the mound to throw for this university. So now we're able to monitor his workload. We're, we know that he's going to pitch as close to, if not at a full tank, as best as we can manage. And just to jump in on that, because you're not telling him to do nothing to be rested. Exactly, um, yeah. Because you know, doing nothing – you know, there's the old adage of someone says, I'd rather be, have someone be, you know, 5% uh, undertrained than 1% overtrained. You know, that's great. But now that you have the ability to actually test and monitor, you can just make sure the guy's where he needs to be. Um, if you're a strength coach and you're working with an athlete and you see these are his imbalances, these are where he's losing strength, now you're going to know do I program more endurance? Do I program more, you know, power in those areas? If you're monitoring it with a throwing program, you know exactly if you need to increase mound reps, if you need to decrease mound reps, if you need to increase throwing volume, increase throwing intensity, and you're going to be able to dial that in specific for each player. And that's you know my big thing is just with with arm care in general, it's not a one size fits all, and it's even more so when it comes down to throwing volumes. Is it's not one size fits all. It even gets more specific as you get into monitoring a throwing program. Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, Jordan hit some great points. Um, the reliever in baseball, people might not be aware of this, that they're a growing concern. So what was once we thought was, uh, you know, really high overuse or these these episodes that, you know, are starting pitchers are throwing at a certain amount over a certain amount of innings that they have uh, over the year, the the relievers are the ones that are showing more of the injury presentation. They're becoming more... Uh, susceptible because they're throwing more often, they're throwing harder. So, you know, our workload management for them is really important because sometimes even our athletes, like they're very territorial with who they throw with. So for instance, like Jordan, and I could be throwing partners and we could go out and like, I don't know how I'm fatigued. Sometimes you don't feel central nervous system fatigue. And quite often you don't neurologically you feel metabolic fatigue or if you have muscle damage you feel that but neurologically i don't know if my strength or my rate of torque and some of the things that we measure are down but because jordan's my partner and jordan says you know hey what do you want to do today and i said well what do you want to do today and jordan says i want to throw out to 250 feet all of a sudden that's something that i'm going to be doing because i'm his throwing partner and i might not be really you know ready for that on that day so, you know, this is, these are all important dynamics that, that go on, um, you know, not only the professional world, but even, you know, at the amateur level. And, uh, you know, we need to have a process when we have these relievers to be able to be fresh. And we even talked about this AC ratio and a lot of it, this is like a seven to 28 day, um, process. And what happens is it's a rolling average. You get a new day and then it's a new seven days. It's a new 28 days. Sometimes they're coupled. Sometimes they're uncoupled. So you don't, you don't use the previous day in the calculation. But like for a starter, they don't really operate on a week like that. Like they might be, you know, on a, it should be a, maybe a five day, 
you know, acute schedule over a 10 day it might be, should be more micro, uh, And, um, you know, the reliever in baseball, man, it, it's, it's intricate. Um, when I was coaching, uh, with the Baltimore Orioles, I will have to say Buck Showalter, he knows how to run a bullpen. They, he charted everything. He wanted to know the amount of warm-up throws they threw, not only on the when they got to the mound. There was a whole uh, cascade of things that uh, they were monitoring. You know, they're monitoring the things that you can't see to the most part. You know, and that's that's tough to do without a lot of technology. Um, and you know, we need to get to a place too that we don't have our athletes throw less, but we systematically train them so they can throw more. We had this discussion today about the current state of baseball. Well, you know, when Jordan and I were kids, and I'm not, I don't want to date our ages, but when we wanted to go and hit at a, at a park, you know, with our friends, we pitched to each other. You know, now kids can go to a batting cage, crank up a machine. Now there's less opportunities for, for athletes to throw. They're throwing harder. So we're starting to give them less. And what I feel is there's, there's two things that are happening. We're encouraging velocity sometimes without strength increases. So that workload isn't well matched. Um, and, uh, and they're, they're just not being conditioned to throw enough, you know, and that's, that's something that we have to do. We're not systematically doing that. You know, we have this fear. They're, they're training to throw harder. You know, there's nothing against using weighted uh, ball implements, but it has to be scaled. This is workload. This is significant workload that has to be understood and where you put that programming. So, you know, there's something for the listeners out there. If they're using a cookie cutter or a program they're paying for online and they're not working with a coach and they don't have that information available to someone who's overseeing the program, they must have our app. They need some feedback to know on the day that, you know, I might not be in a good place strength-wise. You know, the bout that I had 72 hours later earlier, um, that might have wa- waxed me, you know. So there has to be some element of understanding where the athlete's at, and we have to handle these bouts, and we well, can't under here's, here's another thing on that, Ryan, is, you know, I've been a pitching coach for over 15 years from the private sector all the way through, you know, practically everywhere in Pro Bowl. And I was just on the phone with a guy this afternoon. He was, you know, asking for some information on how he can run the system and get a little more information on that. And I told you, know, I've been I don't know how many thousands of pitchers I've actually worked with, but it's a it's a lot. And I honestly don't know that now that the technology is available to do it, I don't think I could coach without this to accurately prescribe a throwing program. If I was working in a team, like there's no way that every pitcher I had wouldn't be using it because now you can you you're managing a bullpen, you know, like Buck Showalter. Yeah, he does a fantastic job, and that comes with experience. But now, if you're able to measure, quantify, and know who is recovered, and you know where the gas tank is, if you know 156 pounds is a full tank, if a guy's at 156, you know he's good to go, even if he's thrown three four days in a row. You know, and you know we had uh, instances like that with our with our previous employer that you know we used guys a ton based on their strength measures. They're still healthy. They're still good to go because a recovered muscle is a healthy muscle when it comes down to it. Um, and, and you know that's a it, it's taking the the feel and giving you a real tangible measurable to use on that. Mm-hmm. So in that situation, if you had been going by let's say AC ratios. 
they would just be saying he can't be pitching right now or he, he wouldn't be allowed to have thrown you know and right. if you go through and you look the information up you know i won't use names or anything like that it's not that hard to figure out who it was but this guy's ace his acute would be off the charts because it was like 15 or 16 games in a row that he had pitched which includes getting loose getting you know sat down then getting back up and then getting in the game throwing one and a third throwing two thirds throwing you know two you know it's not just like these were single up outings but you know based on his strength it shows that he's ready to handle that and that's that's where you know in throwers i am not aware and maybe someone can can send some information in about actually seeing the value of an ac ratio in a throwing program i'm not aware of any literature on that i'm not aware of any proof on that for and like ryan said it comes from the sprinting world mm-hmm. um and they're they're kind of two separate monsters there when you're looking at sprinting preparation versus throwing preparation you know i've i've had really good friends that have run track at some very prestigious universities they've done olympic trials um they've been in some really high-end sprinting contests and you look at the amount of sprinting they do in a practice session and a, an actual competition day. It's not even you know the amount of volume comparatively to the beginning of a regular throwing program. So to compare those AC ratios is is not really apples to apples. No, and some of those sports too, they um, they combined the internal feel of the athlete. So if it's distance, like the amount of yardage that they're they're going to be, or the meters that they're running in a sprint practice. They're also giving them, you know, what kind of recovery this athlete needs, but they're also taking into account how the athlete feels and how they're responding to the training, you know, so there is this wellness component that has to be involved in the workload process. There is this rate of perceived exertion. They have to, they have to indicate to you how difficult this information is. And sometimes if you're focused only on external, so you're only counting pitches, let's say, um, you're you're missing some of the point because you know all three of us on this call this is what is totally crazy about baseball it's still used um this 100 pitch limit for starters you know all three of us are different anatomically we're different in our conditioning we're different in many ways our psychology um our diets but yet we have a common pitch count and that doesn't make any sense to me where we need to be more robust, more dynamic, better with our workload uh, computations. You know, there's some studies. I haven't got to them. I had a friend send them to me who used to work as a sports scientist for Manchester United. Um, Really good guy named Robin Thorpe. He's done a lot of research into workload and recovery. But there's some flaws right now with the AC ratio, some mathematical flaws. You know, and I I can't wait to dive in on this work because it's, it's... almost too simple the way we're looking at workload we can't look at it as just an external factor this is a whole human this is a complex organism that we're creating a very simple solution this is what when jordan said earlier that you know i lay out this program and 50 percent of my guys are going to excel at it but the other 50 percent aren't and to me as a coach you can't sit there and say well you know my coaching is going to do good for 50% of the guys who show up at my camp because I'm limiting our whole success based on the fact that I am just going to use a cookie cutter program and knowing that 50% of the guys that walk in the door, this isn't the right way to train them. Yep. 
Exactly. Yeah, and that's why you see so many times a player, you know, this this high-end high school prospect goes to, you know, whatever university it is, and he ends up getting a little bit worse. It's just that programming wasn't dialed in specifically enough for that athlete. And you see them pro ball as well. And then, you know, too often you hear, you know, this verbiage of, oh, well, that player just couldn't adjust. Where it's like, no, the player's probably doing everything they can. They just don't have all the tools at their disposal to do so. And it's no one's fault. It's not necessarily the coach's fault if he's not aware of these things. You know, it's a relatively new technology that's out there that's available for the masses. So now that it is available, you know, it should be something that's in that implementation for every single, you know, coach, anyone who throws. This should be part of your your, your daily check-in routine. Yeah, I want to I want to add something on what Jordan's saying because uh, for the people listening, this this tool that we're all behind, it's a collaborative device. It's not someone like you know the experience in baseball before I had the previous role of director of performance integration, and things were very channelized. You know, this is a medical device, or this is for the strength coaches, or this is something that the pitching coaches use. Our our device is not isolated like that. It's not channelized. It's a collaborative tool where if three of us, you know, Bart, if you're the head of uh, athletic training, you know, I'm the director of strength and conditioning. Jordan is the director of pitching um, or he's a major league pitching coach. We should all be having conversations about this because once we get the information, you know, you have a job to do, Bart. I have a job to do. You know, Jordan has a job to do. But we're all communicating together. We're all aware of this athlete. And, you know, we also have to have the conversation with the athlete um, to understand, hey, you know, we're, this is our change in our program based on these metrics. And we're not pulling this out of thin air. You see, athletes want, they want solidarity. They are going to ask why. The good ones ask why. Right, Jordan? Like the, the athletes. Yeah. And the they athletes, should. They yeah. should. It's their career. Yeah. If an athlete isn't asking why. Like you don't just, I don't know. It's just bad to to not ask a question. If if a coach can't answer it for you, then I don't know. Me personally, if I was an athlete, you know, I I was never a great athlete when it comes down to it. But I tell all the guys that I work with, if you ask me a question and I can't explain it to you, you shouldn't have to do it. Yeah, it's that simple. You know, like it's your career, it's your arm, and just because someone pitched at a specific level or has had X amount of years of experience doesn't mean that they're always going to be right. Just like I was telling you, you know, I've mentored under some really good pitching coaches, some some fantastic minds in the game that have more years coaching in the big leagues than a lot of guys have playing. And then you combine their playing and coaching in the big leagues, and that's a pretty good group of people to mentor under. you know. But even then, you know, they realize, hey, we have to keep adjusting. We have to keep growing. We need to use the tools at our disposal to make sure we're programming things appropriately. And that's the difference between, you know, there's a reason why there's less than 20,000 total in the history of the game that have ever been big leaguers. You know, it's, it's, it's tough to do and anything you can do to channelize. And, you know, who was the, the Phillies pitching coach? He just, he quit, he walked away. And one of his big things that he was talking about was he doesn't like the way baseball's going with uh, development right now. They're just focusing on getting a guy to the big leagues. If he blows out, he blows out. There's not really any starting pitchers being developed. I, I agree. I'm not in disagreement with anything he said. I and mean, if you're able to monitor and make sure the players recover, 
Now you can let that player at those younger ages get those higher volumes in the game, and they're going to be quality volume. And now all of a sudden you're going to understand, hey, you know, this guy, his arm strength is great. He's recovering. Now we can add in a fourth pitch as opposed to, you know, wondering if it's the right time. Then a player gets hurt and then he's set back. Now it's the ability, like you're saying, instead of having these things in these silos, you're combining the medical, you're combining the strength, you're combining old school, you're combining new school, and you're giving it a tangible resource to go, okay, this is how you use this. So now everyone has their voice. Everyone has their, their, their point of contact with an athlete, and you're able to use that to, to maximize that individual's development. Yeah. And I, I also think, too, I, I just wanted to add some more, you know, on what we offer. You know, a lot of our assessments in sport, in pro sport, you know, I have friends in a whole bunch of different sports, and a lot of the assessments that are happening are based on a recovered state. So, the, you know, the athletes will come in fully rested. And we're extending this process, you know, in terms of managing the athlete to be able to get them post-session, post-outing. We want to be able to understand as well, you know, how are they experiencing the workload? This is a whole section of workload science that has not been evaluated. You know, with the exception of a rate of perceived exertion, we actually are going to get objective data to give back to a coach, to give back to a player, a medical staff member, a strength coach, as far as how did that athlete interact with this particular pitch count or this particular velocity enhancement day? Like we need to get there in this industry. And if we don't, we are flying absolutely blind. Well, also on that, it, it empowers the player, you know, and that's the big thing that I look at it for is if you're a high school kid and you're trying to get a scholarship or you're trying to get seen by the scouts, you can adjust your own practice volumes. Like you don't need someone to hold your hand if you don't have anyone you trust in your area. And now you know, hey, normally my, my coach says I got to throw 40 pitch bullpen every Wednesday because I pitch on Saturdays. Now he can test himself on a Wednesday. If his strength is down, he only throws 20. So now when he's pitching in a game and a scout's there, or that college recruiter's there, or he's getting video to send to off to a team or whatever that may be, he's pitching in a more recovered state. And you can use that. Hey, I normally lose you know, 8% of my strength over 85 pitch outing. All of a sudden, if you've lost 14, you may need to focus a little more on recovery modalities or you know, better nutrition. And then you can start dialing that in on your focus to make sure you have the right you know, things dialed in for you as opposed to well, this is what that one guy said. No, now you're the one taking control of you and you're going to be the one who's in charge of it. Very cool. I think uh, I think we turned that tweet into a, uh, a pretty good conversation there, so I appreciate it. Uh, I think we'll wrap it up here and uh, thanks for listening. Take care.